SolarWind Media presents Ron Schaefer's podcast. Tabloid Man, Part 3. It came from out of the toilet. It was five in the morning when Herman Grimschmucker got up to go to the toilet. Herman had a meal of roast beef and baked potato the night before, and it had now coagulated in his system into a large and only slightly pliable rock. His intestines screamed, Get up, Herman! Get this stuff out of me before I turn into a food mausoleum. So Herman, sleepy-eyed, got up to go to the bathroom, fumbling his way along, waking his wife up briefly in the process. As she was used to his stumbling in the night, she immediately fell back asleep. Herman had just turned 66, and things were starting to happen to him. His digestion was slowing down, and he found that the occasional laxative got him through the day. Not like his days as a teenager when he could eat hamburger after hamburger, and it didn't seem to affect him. Now a bit of liverwurst on a celery stalk could pack him tight. So sleepy as he was, he was prepared to go in for the long haul in case it was going to take a while. He took his glasses and the morning newspaper that just arrived at his door, and though he still couldn't see properly yet, was prepared to do some morning reading before going back to bed to finish out his snooze before his usual 6.30 alarm. As he sat down, he began to hear little funny noises that seemed to be coming out of the plumbing. He passed it off as just his imagination, his 5 a.m. imagination, which was still, for all intents and purposes, back in bed and not with him at this time of the morning. He put on his glasses, opened up his newspaper, and tried to make some sense of the headlines, while waiting for the inevitable grunts and groans he had to emit before the standard explosion he was expecting from his backside. But there it was again. More noises, almost like tiny giggles echoing through the pipes. What could that be? And then there was that strange smell. Something like fish, only hard to pin down. It didn't come out of him. He didn't have fish. It was roast beef. It should have more of a beefy odor to it. More giggles, more smell. Suddenly Herman felt a sharp stabbing pain in his rear and a pull that nearly yanked him through the seat. He felt something tear into him and blood splattered over the sides of the toilet. He screamed in pain and shock and screamed again and again. His wife was out cold and continued to sleep on. Perhaps she was dreaming of something unsavory chasing her, as she had a restless sleep, but sleep she did, continuing on, as her husband was busy fighting for his life only a little ways away, down the hall and to the right, dying in the grip of something frightful. The 80s was a strange decade. First of all, we elected a half-baked movie star to be president. It was clear he didn't know what he was talking about and hired all his Wall Street friends to run the government for him so that they could remove all the laws that prevented them from being cheats. But he was folksy and popular, sporting a movie cowboy appeal, and fulfilling his lifelong dream of beating communists. Meanwhile, 
On the other side of the world, the great communist empire that was the Soviet Union was falling apart under its own weight. Who knew that thing that would bring down communism was the fact that there was no money in it. So the Soviets broke apart and the president took the credit. But the Soviets had a big yard sale, a going out of business estate sale, and sold off most of their weapons. Eager to shoot people, folks in Africa and the Middle East bought up all those weapons and immediately went to war with each other, and eventually us. On the home front, we invented a new disease, AIDS, a social exchange blamed on monkeys and homosexuals. There was no cure, but it gave some people new reasons to hate monkeys and homosexuals. Disco finally died, and with it, the bad clothes, to be replaced by punk rock, funky hair, and a whole new set of bad clothes. Jesus freaks, now called born-agains, or more politely, evangelicals, decided it was Jesus' time, under their stewardship, to get into politics, especially in the South. So they started sending politicians to Washington with a certified stamp of crazy on their foreheads. Movies became dominated by younger men who made stories that looked like the comic books they read when they were 12. Cable television broke out everywhere. Now, instead of just four or five shitty TV channels, we had 50 or 60 shitty TV channels, including MTV, which turned top 40 hit songs into video commercials. And they began marketing personal computers, the chief of which was the newly created video games. Basically, the 1980s proved that between movies, music, cable TV, the home computer, and video games, nerds had taken over the world and were now the driving force in the world's economy. But as the 1980s came to a close, our senile cowboy president handed over the works to his Uncle Fud-like understudy, but things seemed to be going along at an even pace. The Cold War days of constipation and giant penises were over, and I went back to checking in on sightings of Elvis's ghost and what Bat Boy was doing now that at the ripe old age of 75. Even when Uncle Fudd stumbled into a scandal that involved the Middle East, things were going along sort of okay, and even when he sent in troops to take care of an army that was supplied by all those leftover Cold War weapons, things didn't seem all that bad. I had been at the bludgeon now for nearly 30 years, and I was, quite frankly, getting a little tired. I was even thinking about retirement, although the bludge is not the best in the world at pensions. As a matter of fact, they don't really have any. My boss, our flunk, was also thinking of retiring, given that he was almost a generation older than me. But he made no moves to do so, as he was too stubborn to actually retire. He would just say that he should, and then kept right on managing the paper. And I had seen a lot of crazy shit in my time at that paper, but most of it was routine. I was frankly bored with it all, and I felt I should either get out or needed something fresh and compelling to wake me from my stupor. Then a brief story about Herman Grimschmucker came over Reuters. It was a little bit of a thing that didn't look like anybody was going to follow up on it, about a guy who had his butt eaten while he was sitting on a toilet. Not only was this the kind of story the bludgeon loves, but it was the kind of thing I needed. I told Arf about it, and he said, yeah, sure, fine, without looking up. On my way out the door, he said his usual, fuck you, which meant it was okay for me to pursue whatever I felt I liked. So I did. 
first thing I did was take myself down to Florida, Miami Beach to be specific, where the Herman Grimschmucker incident had occurred. I went in to talk to the police and showed them my press card. They kicked me out of the building. I next called up the detective in charge of the case independently from the main office. I just said homicide and got linked to Detective Lester Chester. I told him I had some information on the Grimschmucker case. I didn't. He asked me what it was. I said it had something to do with the sea. He said, what does that mean? And I said, I'd show him. He agreed to meet me and I set up an appointment. Now I had to come up with an excuse to get in the door and not get thrown out. I looked up the Grimschmuckers in the phone book and found out where they lived. I went to the house first. They were living in some little home in a retired folks neighborhood. Not far away was a little canal that linked to a little lagoon. I came up with an idea about sewage going into the canal and that may have affected the pipes. So I went into the police station and sat down with Lester Chester and gave him a bullshit story about sewage. How did that affect the attack on Mr. Grimschmucker? Uh, it uh, got to him. How do you know that? Uh, that's what we came up with. Really? He was attacked by sewage? Not sewage, but something in the water supply. Who are you working with? Um, the Arflunk Water Investigation Committee. Never heard of them. What do they do? Investigate water. Funny you should say that. I actually ordered the DNR to do a survey on the area. You're not with them, are you? No, we're independent from them. Have you seen the crime scene? So you think it's a crime? Don't you? Definitely. Do you have pictures? Sure, but I warn you, they're pretty gruesome. He went to a file cabinet and pulled out a file containing a lot of 8x10s and tossed it in front of me. I began to pull them out one by one. Good photography, I said. Very Annie Leibowitz. Personally, I'm more a Richard Avedon fan myself. Yeah, so am I, Lester responded. But these are pretty good. You'll notice the big gouge marks. Yeah, big is right. It was picture after picture of the poor sot with his ass bitten off. Blood splattered everywhere. The old guy laying in front of the toilet face down on a tile floor covered in a mess. His butt completely missing. Big slices all around where his ass should be. As if a large pincer of some kind with teeth spanning six inches across had just chomped into him and taken a great chew out of his posterior. The detective was right. It was pretty gruesome. Now who do you think would do something like that? He asked me. You sure it was a person? A murder? It was a violent act, to be sure. At first we thought it might be an alligator come up through the sewers. But look at that. If it was an alligator, it would have to be one big motherfucker. And how would something that size get through the plumbing? So you think somebody broke into the Grimschmucker's house and attacked him, sliced off his butt, and left? No sign of a break-in. No theft. Just... Mr. Grimschmucker lying assless on the bathroom floor. So then, how is it murder? We're investigating it as if it were a murder, but frankly, we don't know. We just don't know. Did Mrs. Grimschmucker hear or see anything? No. When she woke up to go to the toilet, there was her husband. Weird. So how do you think it is a water problem? How do you? 
well, there may have been something toxic in the water to begin with that infected something in the water supply and that led to something coming through the pipes. It's a possibility. A thin one, but it's possible. That's exactly what we were thinking, I said. That's why I'm down here. Well, if you dig up any clues, you let us know right away. We appreciate any help we can get, Lester Chester said to me. Will do, I said, and shook his hand. Boss, I think I got a creature that bites people in the ass, I said on the phone to Chicago. Let him bite yours, he said, but gave me permission to investigate further. Next stop was to interview Mrs. Grimschmucker. Oh, 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 was really all she could say. She wouldn't stop screaming and crying. She had apparently been doing this continually for a number of days by the time I got there, and in all that time, the police couldn't get anything out of her, so I left. So then what could possibly come up through the toilet and bite a chunk of ass off a man and disappear into the night undetected? Alligators were my favorite culprit, too, but it just didn't make sense, as Lester Chester stated. It would have to be really, really big and somehow find its way through tiny, tiny pipes. Maybe somebody is breeding malleable gators somewhere with a hunger for ass. I decided to confine my research to just Florida, as this was a state dedicated to crazy, making it the craziest state in the Union. Sorry, California. I know you're trying. I looked up animal breeders to see if there were any alligator breeders out there. Well, there were a couple of alligator farms. Why would somebody farm alligators? Well, you know, ladies' handbags and shit, boots for cowboys and gay men, that kind of thing. We don't breed no monster alligators, said one of the operators of such a place, one Fernaldehyde Fizzle. I checked. It was his real name. Inspired by a friendly undertaker, maybe? We breed them for their coats, said Fernie Fizzle. Alligators don't have coats, I reminded him. They're big lizards. Well, hides then, if that makes you happy. We've always called them coats. Heck, we don't want them crawling away and wrecking their coats. We like them big, but we don't want them wrecking their coats. While he was finishing up his statement, one came by and took a swing at him, jaws open. Settle down now, Lucille. That's not lunch. That's just a newspaper man. I was already in the car by the time he finished scolding his pro uh, property. Don't mind Lucille, he called to me. She always gets a mite edgy around supper time. Thanks, Mr. Fizzle, I called back as I was pulling away. I tried a few more gator breeders. Okay, one more. But all agreed the idea of breeding big monster gators with the ability to squeeze through small pipes is stupid being unprofitable, as it might wreck their coats. So I scratched them off the list of suspects. Meanwhile, this has been SolarWind Media presents Ron Schaefer's podcast. Find us at solarwindmedia.com.